It's up for debate on KLJXLP Flagstaff, KJAC 107.1. I'm your host, Cade Reed. Thank you guys very much for tuning in today. Make sure you tune in every single weekday from 10 to 11 a.m. where I will be here live bringing you the most debatable content in all of sports, only on KJAC Radio and on the KJAC Sports Podcast on Spotify. So make sure to check me out there if you haven't already. We have a great episode today. We're going to cover the Nuggets and the life that they now have. Billy Donovan has now found a new head coaching job. Las Vegas' offense looks elite in the MLB playoff update. I want to jump right in with some NBA talk. The Nuggets and the Lakers going into game three of the Western Conference Finals. Lakers coming into this game with a 2-0 series lead. and The Denver Nuggets having a lot on the line in this one. Now, this was a huge game for the Denver Nuggets as falling down 3-0 to LeBron James and Anthony Davis would most likely have resulted in a Los Angeles Lakers series win. But the Denver Nuggets come out and they look like the better team in all facets of the game. Jamal Murray had a tremendous game, 28 points and 12 rebounds, one of his first playoff double doubles. And he also made two really late three-pointers that halted this Lakers run. So the Nuggets have shown that they can beat this Lakers team, not only in this game, but in the last game as well. And in the Nuggets' mind, they believe they can be up in the series two to one, if not for Anthony Davis' game-winning clutch three-point shot. So the Nuggets right now have the momentum. They're riding on a good wave of momentum, and that's what the Nuggets have been the most successful doing. When they get one game, they ride that momentum all the way till the end. And the Nuggets are on that momentum streak right now after winning a big-time game three and bringing this series to a 2-1 lead. Now, obviously, LeBron James and Anthony Davis are still on this team, and they're not going to just slow down uh, as the Nuggets are putting their foot on the gas. Now, this game three wasn't as big of a surprise than it went to Denver because Denver's playing to stay in the playoffs, and the Lakers are just playing to knock them out. So at this point, the series is controlled by the Lakers. And if the Denver Nuggets want to get back into the series, they're going to have to be the team that fights back in. They're going to have to be the team that gets themselves back in. Now, Coach Mike Malone for the Denver Nuggets has been incredible. And the fight that this team has shown is the whole reason that they're still in the playoffs right now. I mean, I've talked about it before, but two different times going to game seven, winning those games, two different times coming back from down 3-1. This Denver Nuggets team is special. And even if we don't want to admit it, even if we don't want to see them go to the NBA Finals, at this point in time, they've had a real special run. They've made a couple really impressive comebacks. And the Lakers are kind of on a position where they need to close out soon so they can't get the Denver Nuggets the momentum. They can't get more used to being in a series because the later these nuggets go into a series, the longer that they're playing against the team, the better that they've been playing. I mean, the longer they've played, the more they've been able to adjust, the more they've been able to see what the other team is doing and how they can beat that team. And once they get those adjustments, once they get that under control, they've been completely locked down on defense and completely on the same page on offense. And the Los Angeles Lakers, although they've been a really good team these first two games, although they've looked really great, if they can't slow down this Nuggets momentum, it's going to be a long series for the Lakers. And 
the Lakers so far in this playoffs haven't had a long series. They haven't had a long bunch of games because, well, the first two teams they played against weren't really as quality as the Denver Nuggets. The Portland Trailblazers, the eight seed, and the Houston Rockets coming in as the four seed, both of those teams didn't really have the same talent level that this Denver Nuggets team do. And the LA Lakers are starting to figure that out after losing that third game. Now, the Lakers haven't been into a deep game seven run, but LeBron James has been there before. So he's going to be prepared to, to get into those deep game runs and try to figure things out. But the rest of this team, the rest of this Lakers squad really doesn't have too much playoff experience just in general. I mean, Anthony Davis hasn't really been there with the Pelicans. JaVale McGee, although he's been around in the NBA for a long time, he hasn't really had too much playoff experience. Danny Green has been awful so far this postseason for the Lakers, and that hasn't looked like it's going to be changing anytime soon as he hasn't been able to put much points on the board. Over the last 10 during this playoffs, he's only averaging six points a game on 25 and a half minutes. And that's not good enough for your main shooter on that team. I mean, if you look around that that roster, they got Contavis Caldwell-Pope, Danny Green, and Anthony Davis. And those are your main big-time shooters from the exterior. And if none of those guys can fire, if none of them are shooting well, it's going to be a tough series for this Lakers team to come back from. And the Denver Nuggets, they get these quality minutes from a lot of different players. I mean, we saw 26 points out of Jeremy Grant last night. And that's big-time points. The Lakers aren't getting that same third production, and they really need a third guy to step up. Now, initially, I thought that Rajon Rondo was going to be that third guy, but scoring off the dribble isn't really the best for Rajon Rondo. I mean, he's got tremendous court vision, but his scoring acumen isn't quite up to par with a lot of different players in this series. And the Denver Nuggets defensively have the ability – to slow down Rajon Rondo by attacking him at the top of the half court. I mean, slow Rajon Rondo down and, and keep the ball out of his hands and don't let him make those really nice passes. And this is going to be a much harder series for the LA Lakers. And with Rondo only getting nine points with the third leading scorer of the Lakers being Contavis Caldwell Pope with 12 points, the Lakers are going to need scoring from one other guy and, in my opinion, it has to be Kyle Kuzma. Now, Kyle Kuzma has shown that he has the star potential and he has the shooting ability, but he hasn't really been able to connect it and bring it all together in a series of games. We've seen that he's able to do it in a one-game stretch where he just goes off for one game, but then the next three games he goes quiet. The Lakers need him to show up and stay. They need him to show up and not go away and go silent and go quiet in the next couple games because they don't want to lose this series. Kyle Kuzma or Dwight Howard or somebody else is going to have to step up because the matchup that we are seeing between the Denver Nuggets and the LA Lakers has been completely flipped on its back. The Lakers completely dominated the first game. They looked like the much better team in game one, but in the second and the third game, the Denver Nuggets have looked like the better team. They have grown on the adjustments. They have looked much improved. And Nikolai Jokic and his matchup on the inside is a big reason for this. Now, Jokic has played incredible so far this postseason. In game three, he had 22 points and 10 rebounds. Uh, He was very efficient as well. But his defensive matchup has been constantly changing. And with Anthony Davis playing defense on Jokic, 
that's so much more of an advantageous set for the Los Angeles Lakers because their best defender is on the Denver Nuggets' best offensive player. But when Anthony Davis plays the position that he prefers to play at the power forward, the Denver Nuggets have a much easier time slowing them down offensively because Paul Millsap, instead of Nikola Jokic, is guarding Anthony Davis. And then on the defensive side of the ball, Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee have been on Nikola Jokic. And that just hasn't been working for this Lakers team. Jokic has been able to take advantage of those mismatches and offensively, he's been able to find the open guy. Or offensively, he's been able to score at a very efficient level. 9 of 14 in last game, really good numbers from Jokic. But defensively is where this really hurts the LA Lakers, or excuse me, offensively. With Anthony Davis running the four, that means his matchup on defense is not Nikola Jokic. And we've seen all throughout the playoffs, all throughout the postseason, that Jokic cannot play interior defense with some of the better defenders in the league. I mean, his rotations are not quick enough. He doesn't know where he needs to be. And defensively, Jokic is a weak interior defender. And that's just how it's been for this Denver Nuggets team. And they know that that's something they have to work around. But Paul Millsap, on the other hand, has been a great defender his entire career. And matching him up with Anthony Davis and giving him the ability to slow down Anthony Davis has just been so much more advantageous for this Denver Nuggets team. First off, Paul Millsap gets to exert all of his energy on the defensive side, and Jokic, who would traditionally be guarding Anthony Davis in a Anthony Davis center set, gets to rest on defense and play interior defense against a guy who's not really going to get involved in JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard. I mean, this matchup is advantageous for the Denver Nuggets, but the Lakers are going to have to figure something out to to take JaVale McGee and Howard off the court whenever there's Jokic on the court. I mean, they just can't slow him down. They just can't stop him. And Anthony Davis, although offensively and defensively, he's going to get worn down, he needs to be on the best guy defensively. Now, I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, Billy Donovan has a new head coaching job. Stay tuned to find out where he's headed. The Oklahoma City Thunder and Billy Donovan made a shocking move when they didn't renew the contract and decide to come back for another season. Now, this was such a shocking move because Oklahoma City had made it into a deep playoff series against the Houston Rockets, and they weren't even really expected to be a playoff team this season. Now, they traded away their two best players during the offseason in Paul George and Chris Paul, or excuse me, and Russell Westbrook, and they got Chris Paul in return and a bunch of draft picks alongside Shea Gilligas-Alexander and Danilo Gallinari. Now, this Oklahoma City team, without the superstar power that they had before, wasn't really supposed to be a deep playoff team or a team that really even made the playoffs in general, especially in the Western Conference. But this OKC Thunder team made it to a Game 7 against the Houston Rockets, and although they were knocked out, it was a very promising promising win for this team or a promising series for this team now Billy Donovan has been the head coach for the Oklahoma City Thunder for the last couple of years and they've done a pretty good job of putting talent around Billy Donovan and making it so he's got guys around him to succeed we haven't really seen the Oklahoma City Thunder really strive for greatness and even when Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook were both on the same team the superstar power wasn't enough to win them an NBA championship. So Billy Donovan and Oklahoma City, they now split paths, going separate ways. And Billy Donovan has 
already found himself a new home. And his new home makes a whole lot of sense. And the reason being is he's heading to Chicago, a team with a new GM, a new culture. And this is going to be a whole new Chicago team in the coming years. Now, Chicago has been one of the worst teams in the last few years, but most of that was because their head coach, Jim Boylan, has just not been good enough. And with a team like the Chicago Bulls, which has high expectations for themselves every single year, a season like they had, 21 wins or 22 wins and 43 losses, is just not going to cut it. It's just not good enough when you have as much talent as that young team does. Now, obviously, this young team is talented, but they don't have a lot of superstars. Zach Levine has looked tremendous. Lori Markkinen kind of took a step backwards, and Kobe White looked like a really improved player for his first season out of college. Now, they have a lot of talent around this roster, but Jim Boylan was never really able to to take advantage and, and use these guys' talent and their skill sets in an advantageous way. Now, the defense for this team, which looks kind of like it would be a sketchy defense, not the best defenders in Zach Levine and Laurie Markkinen, but they did do really well. And they worked together and they came together really well defensively. But offensively, this was a whole different story. Zach Levine offensively was the only guy who was producing at any sort of clip. And even Zach Levine was not producing as much as, as he should have been with as many shots as he was taking. I mean, with 20 shots per game, you'd hope that he'd be shooting about 28, 30 points per game instead of just 25. Obviously complaining about 25 points per game is never going to do anybody any good because 25 points per game is a ton. But outside of Zach Levine, Lowry Markkinen didn't take that step forward. And this young team, which presumably is supposed to be taking their steps forward together, Wendell Carter, Lowry Markkinen, Zach Levine, and Kobe White, all four of these guys growing in together, they're supposed to be taking those steps forward together, but they really haven't been able to. And I think a big reason of this was Jim Boylan just wasn't able to get them on the same page and wasn't able to get them into that postseason run. Now, Billy Donovan is a completely different story because this year with the Oklahoma City Thunder in a year where they weren't supposed to make the playoffs, they weren't supposed to even be that good of a team, they ended up being the five seat. Billy Donovan turned this young team around and the skill sets that Shea Gilgis-Alexander was picking up all season long were incredible and he looked like a tremendous and improved player every single game of the season those young stars on that team are just getting better and better and Dennis Schroeder who was one of the best six men this year probably deserving of the award was a much improved asset so Billy Donovan had did a good job of making sure that all those pieces were working on the same page and working together so this was the right decision for Donovan, but it was also the right decision for Chicago because Chicago now gets a guy who is a proven winner and a guy who can provenly develop great talent. Now, Billy Donovan is a former college coach, and that is where he started, developing talent in Florida. And the Florida team that Billy Donovan was the coach of was one of the best teams with some of the best player development that we've seen in college football over the last couple decades. So Billy Donovan has proven that he has the coaching ability to grow a team. And now he's got his own team to restart with a new GM and new culture in Chicago. Now, 
was this the right choice for Billy Donovan? Because he did have a couple options on the table. He could have chosen between the 76ers or Chicago for the most part. And I think he made the right choice. Now, even though the 76ers were in the playoffs, they were the sixth seed and they looked like they played well throughout most of the season until Ben Simmons went down. Joel Embiid was a little bit shaken up come playoff time. The 76ers are a team that were already in the playoffs. So if Billy Donovan wanted to be in a playoff team already, he had that opportunity, but he didn't take that for a good reason. And the reason being is the Chicago Bulls are a team that he can build around. And the 76ers are kind of in a stuck spot where they need to do something different or they're not going to be moving forward in any way, shape, or form. Now, the guy who I think is the right fit for the 76ers job is somebody who wasn't as successful trying to build an abnormal roster. And that's Mike D'Antoni. Now, Mike D'Antoni, the former Houston Rockets head coach, tried to go with the small ball lineup, and that didn't really pay off, and that didn't really work out too well for Houston as they were getting dominated by the bigs inside come playoff time. I mean, their matchup with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, they just couldn't slow those guys down because there was just so much size on the court that they couldn't keep up with. Now, Mike D'Antoni's going to a team with a completely different option, with a completely different uh, skill set. They have Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, three people all over six foot eight, which was one of the max heights on Houston's team last year. So this is going to be a much bigger and a much different team for Mike D'Antoni. But looking at what he's going to be able to do, they are going to have to make a big offensive change running the ball and trying to not use Ben Simmons as a shooter and not having him shoot ever was a big mistake for the 76ers. Bruce Brown was a good coach, but he could never get the most out of his team. And Mike D'Antoni seems like the guy who can get those defensive paralysis up, who can keep, get this offensive team going and get these guys confident in their own shots and their own abilities. And we saw that in Houston, giving the ball to James Harden, letting him take control of the game, put it in his own hands. On defense, every single player would switch, and that's how they would move defensively, which is the perfect way to do things when you have a small ball lineup, having defenders who are willing enough to switch inside, willing enough to go down low, even though they might not have the size advantage, and willing enough to move around and be active on the defense event. That's what this Philadelphia 76ers need. They need that willingness, and Mike D'Antoni brings that willingness. He brings that grit. He brings that X factor. And I think this Houston Rockets team was good with Mike D'Antoni as the head coach, and they had a good system for the players that they had. I think if you give another coach that same opportunity, they don't do much better or any better at all. So Mike D'Antoni is my pick to go over to that 76ers team. Billy Donovan, a great fit for Chicago. I think that's going to be a match made in heaven for the next five to 10 years. And I think that Chicago is going to take a quick turnaround in the next couple of years with a good general manager and a new head coach. The Chicago team looks ready for brilliance. Now I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, the Las Vegas Raiders elite offense masked their awful defense. Stay tuned. Las Vegas Raiders in their first ever game in Las Vegas took home the W. 
And this was a game that the Vegas Raiders really weren't supposed to win coming in against a playoff caliber team like the New Orleans Saints. And this offense for Oakland has so far surprised a lot of people. Now, the reason being is Derek Carr has looked like an MVP candidate thus far. Thus far. I will say thus far because I do think that Derek Carr will take a step backward. Things will turn around for Derek Carr. And I don't think he's going to be in the MVP candidate conversation at the end of the year. But so far through the first two games of the season, this Las Vegas Raiders offense has looked elite, scoring 34 points in both of the first two weeks. Derek Carr has four passing touchdowns, no interceptions on the season. And this offense has really looked like it's been on the same page. Darren Waller has stepped into a tight end one role where he really could be one of the better tight ends in not just the Oakland Raiders team or not just the AFC West, but in all of the NFL. Las Vegas Raiders offense has looked quick. It's looked determined and it has had a lot of substitutions. Now the substitutions and the switching on this offense has been the main, main reason they've been so successful. Gruden has been doing a tremendous job of making sure that the personnel changes are confusing the defenses. I mean, there are so many different wide receivers and so many different sets that these Raiders have been running that have just been able to throw off these different defenses so easily. Now, Darren Waller has been used almost exclusively as the number one target, getting 16 targets and 12 catches on Monday night football against the New Orleans Saints. This was a big surprise that they won this game because defensively, the Oakland Raiders have a lot of issues. And when I say they have a lot of issues, I mean they have a ton of issues. I mean, the talent level on this defense is pretty low and the cornerbacks and the secondary that they have is really weak. So the fact that they were able to limit Drew Brees to 312 yards and one touchdown, one interception, and keep this New Orleans Saints offense to only 24 points was really shocking to me. Uh, but this great offense for the Las Vegas Raiders, which has really been a big surprise, looked like they took complete control of the game and won the game because of that. Now, the time of possession was split exactly the way the Raiders want this game to be split. 36 minutes for Oakland, 23 minutes for New Orleans. Keep the ball out of New Orleans' hands and keep your defense off the field if you're Las Vegas. And that's exactly what Gruden has done. And it's exactly why this team has been so successful through the first two weeks of the season. Now, will the, the Raiders be able to keep this up? Will they still be in playoff competition in three or four or five weeks? Well, maybe not. Their next game against the Patriots, I don't expect them to be able to come out with a win. Now, the reason being is this Patriots team is really new and improved and has the ability with Cam Newton at that quarterback position to do so many different things offensively. Now, so far, Cam Newton already has four rushing touchdowns as opposed to his one passing touchdown. And this team has been completely pass-centric and Cam Newton-centric the first couple of games. I mean, 63 passes through the first couple games, only 67 rushing, but 26 of those attempts rushing came from Cam Newton. So this New England Patriots offense is completely revamped, 
completely revitalized. Julian Edelman is getting more targets and more catches than he's ever seen in his career. He's got over 200 yards so far in the season. And Keel Harry has so far stepped up into a solid number two receiver. And this Patriots team, although they had a lot of people opt out, and although they are missing a lot of players that they were hoping to start the season with, they've looked really well. So I don't expect the Raiders to be able to match up all that well with this New England Patriots team. But this is just another test for this Las Vegas team. Their first test was against the New Orleans Saints, and they were not expected to win. I did not think that the Raiders were going to come out on Monday night and take out the Saints the way that they did. They shut them down after the second half, and the Raiders looked like a solid team. But is this going to continue? I will say this. Mayock needs to help Gruden out. Mike Mayock, I think, is one of the worst general managers in all of the NFL. He just doesn't seem like he can figure out how to get the right personnel on the field at once. I mean, Derek Carr is an okay quarterback, but if you're going to build around him, build around him. The number one wide receiver on this team is a rookie, and Henry Ruggs is a rookie who really only got drafted because of how much speed he has. I mean, he was the fourth best pass catcher, the third best pass catcher on Alabama last year. And he was one of the first wide receivers drafted. So the Raiders have some issues at that wide receiver position, but they do have a lot of speed. They have a lot of speed and they have a lot of different guys they can go to, a lot of different guys they can sub in at really any given moment. So they have the substitutions and the ability to do that, but the talent level is so low that Mayock has forced John Gruden to run his offense almost entirely through Derek Carr and his tight end in Darren Waller. Now, this is a great offensive set if you've got a talented tight end and a quick tight end like Waller, but using Josh Jacobs the way they have been has been incredible. They have a real-life workhorse in Josh Jacobs, and as long as he can stay healthy, as long as he can stay on the field, this Las Vegas Raiders offensive team is just going to be so good and so lethal. Because if you have that workhorse running back alongside a quarterback who can get it done and maybe a couple weapons, not the best weapons in the world for Derek Carr to work with, but maybe a couple weapons like Darren Waller and Henry Ruggs, I think this offense can continue to be elite. And if they can continue to use the play clock like they were against New Orleans and continue to keep the ball in possession of Las Vegas, then they're going to be a real tough team to stop. That's going to do it for my NFL talk. I want to jump right in in just a sec with the MLB playoff updates. Stay tuned. Welcome back. And for our last topic of the show, I want to talk about the MLB playoff update. The Dodgers have now clinched the NL. They are the number one team in the NL. There have been a lot of teams recently, actually, that have been clinching in both the American League and the National League. There are a couple playoff races that are still going on, but for the most part, the American League is all finished up. Tampa Bay and New York are clinching the East. Tampa Bay looks like they're going to maintain the top spot until the end of the season. The Central is going to be three teams that have already clinched playoff spots. The White Sox, the Twins, and the Indians all clinched up. They're all going to be in the playoffs. Cleveland or Minnesota, most likely Cleveland will be that last wild card team. 
West is going to come down to a couple of teams. Oakland is the only team to clinch in the West. Houston, the Angels, and Seattle all have chances. But for the most part, Houston is just about locked in. Uh, so they're going to be the other team that gets locked in, it looks like. And then in the National League, there are a bunch of playoff races that are still going. The Dodgers, like I said, clinched the NL West. They clinched the NL as a whole. They are going to get the number one seed in the National League. The Padres as well have clinched a spot in the playoffs for the West in the NL. And in the East, there's a three-team race for a playoff spot. And then the Mets are also trying to get that spot as well. The Atlanta Braves clinched, but Miami, Philadelphia, and the Mets all looking to claim that second spot. And one of them also hoping to claim a wild card spot as well. The Phillies not looking all that great right now. Lost the last four. The Marlins lost the last three. So both of those teams look like they could uh, have a late season slump. Uh, in the Central Division, a lot of teams vying for playoff spots here as well. The Chicago Cubs, the St. Louis Cardinals, the Cincinnati Reds, and the Milwaukee Brewers all vying for a spot. The Cubs, so far the only team in that division to clinch a spot, but the wild card is still up for grabs. St. Louis is in good position to grab one of those spots, but they haven't clinched it quite yet. Uh, but I want to talk about the top two teams my favorite teams on both of these sides who I think will meet in the World Series just a little pre playoff update on what I'm thinking well the National League I think the clear favorite is the Dodgers and they're the favorite for good reason they have the most talented pitching staff and their bats go deep and when you have both things working as well as they do things are going to go well now, the only thing that they really have struggled with this season is closing out games. And a lot of that is because Kenley Jansen just hasn't been quite as good as he has in recent seasons. Uh, but he, he might be able to turn things around. He's been a solid player for them. Now, for the starting pitching, as far as the Dodgers go, Dustin May has really stepped up into that third spot extremely well. I mean, he has played a total of 11 games this season. He's second on the team in innings, and he's won two of those games, only lost one of them, but he carries a 2.77 ERA, which is superb. And the other two pitchers we all know and love for, for this Dodgers team, Clayton Kershaw and Walker Bueller. So they've got themselves a pretty formidable 1-2-3 pitching staff, which we know how good it is in the playoffs to have that 1-2-3. The Nationals last year had the best one, two, three. I mean, maybe outside of the Astros in Patrick Corbin, Steven Strasburg, and Max Scherzer. Now this year, the best one, two, three in the NL has to be May, Walker Bueller, and Clayton Kershaw. Now on the other side, a good one, two, three is forming as well with a young player in Dylan Cease. Now the Chicago White Sox are the team to beat in the American League and the reason being is they've just been so consistently good all season long. Now, they've already clinched a playoff spot, but this team has bats galore and some real MVP candidates. First MVP candidate is Jose Abreu, who has had 19 home runs so far this season, 56 RBIs, which in a normal year when we don't have to deal with the coronavirus shortening the season, those are really low numbers. But for this year, Jose Abreu has just been incredible. His 332 average as well has just put this team up and above. 
Eloy Jimenez has been incredible as well, taking a big step forward this year. 14 home runs, 41 RBIs. He's carrying a 300 batting average. He's been incredible as well. Tim Anderson, 353 batting average, 10 home runs. This team has power. They're hitting for average, and they've got young stars who can really develop. Luis Robert has made a really great debut has shown a lot of power with his 11 home runs, and they look like the team to beat. But on the pitching side of things, I talked about the one, two, threes. Can a team have a good one, two, three punch, and how well can that maintain? Well, the one, two, three punch for this White Sox team is Lucas Giolito, who has been just incredible the last couple of seasons, 3.53 ERA. We saw him with a shutout and a no-hitter of a game so far this season. Dallas Keuchel, a former Cy Young Award winner, has really returned to his roots and has returned with a low 2.04 ERA. He stayed relatively healthy outside of one stint on the IL, but outside of that, he's been incredible. And Dylan Cease. Now, Dylan Cease is a guy that I thought was going to be great last year, and he just didn't really take that step. But this year in his age 24 year, he's been incredible. He's third on the team in innings pitched. He's got a 3.52 ERA, and he's done a good job of maintaining players while they are in batting position. So these are my picks to go to the World Series. I believe that the Dodgers are going to face off with the White Sox, and the White Sox firepower on both sides of the ball will be too much. Now, thank you guys all for tuning in to Up for Debate today. I will see you guys tomorrow at the exact same time. Make sure to follow me on social medias if you guys want to see updates for the show, different things like that, at the underscore K Reed. And I will see you guys next time.